Soccer Nation, your authoritative source for NCAA Division I collegiate soccer, hosted by Oklahoma Sooners head coach Matt Mott, Rice Owls head coach Brian Lee, and the Duke Blue Devils head coach Robbie Church. They've got the insights, strategies, and insider stories you won't hear anywhere else. From recruiting to national championships, the coaches have it covered. So lace up and let's hit the pitch with Coach Mott, Coach Lee, and Coach Church. What's good, College Soccer Nation? This is Matt Mott, one of the hosts of College Soccer Nation, I guess I just said that. I'm head coach at the Oklahoma Sooners. We have a great show for you today. We got an esteemed panel, the group we always have, I certainly had lately. Brian Lee from the Rice Owls is here with us. Uh, Chris Petroselli is with us. And back and better than ever, <laughs> our boy Robbie Church is back with us um, to have the pod, the Thanksgiving uh thanksgiving pod right here we go um so i'll start out with you robbie how you doing buddy doing well doing well sorry i missed the last couple of pods you guys were great you guys were great as you as usual but uh i think first of all happy thanksgiving to all of you guys and happy thanksgiving to everybody that's that's out there hope they have a a great time with family and friends over the next three or four days so um so you listened to the pod even though you weren't on it I, I did. I did. Oh, I, that's nice. About six, we, we, in, about six a.m. in the morning, walking three dogs through the neighborhoods. <laughs> um, it, it gets my walk of the uh, um, in the mornings uh, with the dogs. And I, I know a lot of people have stopped me and said they they listen to pod early in the morning walking dogs. So I think <laughs> I think this is this is a great pod to walk dogs with. So any of you nice. go ahead and walk nice. the dogs with it. It's nice you to listen. There's some people that are on here that don't listen. If they're not on, they listen. If they are on, it's just it's just how it goes. But speaking of that, hey Chris, how are things down at the beach? <laughs> good, Matt. Yeah, good. Um, I got um, two things for you, Matt. One, yeah, your opening. Do you practice that? Do you think about it? Do you plan it? Because it's so bad. Like every week, <laughs> so bad. It's like awkward, and you know, well, is, a lot of a lot of pods I listen to. They like show. They play clips from like. Shows before, whatever. I got nothing. I, I just here so I you am. Go, what's stuff. good? Hey, college soccer nation, college soccer nation, college soccer nation. What's good? I, I like that. Hey-o, but I can't use that all the time. You know, okay, I can't use then, that one all the time. The other thing I got for you is the, uh, the Thanksgiving pod reminds me of when we we used to do top five, and I used to kill you all the time. No, nope. um, remember we did top five best sides for, yes. for Thanksgiving, which was. Um, that was one of the more fun ones that we did. It was. Sure. Yep, yep. So that was that good. Was that was fun. when I that's when I uh I took Mark Kikorian's wife's recommendation <laughs> on sweet potatoes. Uh and I didn't and I didn't uh I actually never eaten them before. But anyway, <laughs> um so yes, well, uh welcome in, Chris. And then last but certainly not least, Brian Lee from the Rice Owls is here. Brian, how are you? Hi, Matt. You know, in reference to the uh, don't listen when we're not on, here's yeah. what uh, Chris, Robbie, and I have in common. We always fast forward the part where you're talking when we're listening <laughs> and get straight ourselves. I didn't say that, but thank you, Brian. Thank you for that, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no, it's, 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 uh, it's, that's fine. It's fine. As long as you hit the download, that's all we care about. Um, <laughs> I will say this. as uh, Jim Wayne. Uh, we're friends. We're all friends with Jim Wayne. Uh, he always calls me on Thanksgiving because he knows this is my favorite holiday. 
right? You get all the eating, all the football. It's uh, it's fantastic. Way better than Christmas. You got to love Thanksgiving. But anyway, he calls it my Thanksgiving. All right, let's get right into it. Um, obviously, uh, big regional week this week with um, with all the games, and we're going to get into a lot of that. Um, but let's start off first. Um, Chris has some evaluations, some observations that he wanted to talk about and ask kind of us some questions. So we talk a little tactics, a little soccer tactics before we get into the specific games and, and how they went. So, uh, Chris, take it away. So um, I want to get uh, opinions on some different scenarios in the game, uh, understanding that there's no right answer here, right? Uh, it's preferences, it's choices. Um, and we know that, you know, in the game, you as a coach may choose to do something and that opens up something else. So, you know, there's there's no blanket here. But um, first one, and these are just things that I've seen recurring in these games that I'm wondering about. First one. Your team is defending a corner and the other team puts a player right in front of the goalkeeper. I've seen numerous situations and numerous goals scored in this tournament where basically the player stood in front of the goalkeeper, flicked the ball in, you know, picked up the the uh, trash in front of the goal and scored. Um, and and that then and 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 there was nothing done to deal with that player, except maybe they were leaving it to the goalkeeper to deal with and the goalkeeper dealt with it. But so how do you deal with a player standing in front of your goalkeeper? Starts with who's your goalkeeper. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Depends on the goalkeeper part of it. <laughs> yeah. It's super related to, you know, basically who's your goalkeeper, what, what kind of space that they want and the space they want is how good are they at across into that player. Um, yeah, I mean, there's two things. Me generally, you're going to leave them on, or we would leave them unmarked, but we'd have her sitting on the zone. Once she pops out, she would get marked if that makes sense. It'll be a straight zone, but I never want to crowd the goalkeeper. And if, if you go, if, if in women's college soccer, your goalkeeper can't handle that, if it's served on top of her with there, you're going to lose eventually, anyway, because that, that's trouble. Yeah, 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 Robbie, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Brian. We have, over the last three or four years, not put anybody on that player, uh, but we have had goalkeepers that have really been good of controlling the six-yard box, and they do not want another player in there they can't get to the ball. Um, so, again, if we had one who just was very stagnant on their line, then we would really look at look at uh, putting a player there. But, again, with the mobility of the ones that we've had and and the ability to come out, they just don't want another player to get in their way. They they feel like they're capable of catching the ball or punching the ball, of, of punching the ball, and we feel like they're capable of that too. But I, also with Brian is we have a zone and then we have combination of marking players outside of the six-yard zone is our two players in the middle are also where if she pops out, now that's your player. And we cover that and talk about how we step in underneath that play if they pop out. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've done it. Just like you said, part of it has to do with the goalkeeper. I agree with that. We've done it where we have marked them. I think the marking part's tricky, though, right? Because if you're going to get, you know, if the player's standing on the line, right, if you're getting goal side of them, um, you're inside the goal. So the kid can head it straight in. I learned this from when I was my time at Texas. So you really have to mark them on the – outside so you can get to the ball first so it makes it tricky and you really have to to work at it because it's an it's an awkward position for the defender 
um, to mark that player because they're marking them on the outside of the goal because they have to get to the ball first. If they mark them, you know, with with themselves in the, they're in the goal and and they're not going to get the ball. So it's a it's a tricky one, I think. But um, I agree with that. Chris, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, a couple of things. One, I think if you're going to mark them, you have to front them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you have to front the player. Um, and and once you do that, you've given up the whole near post space. The goalkeeper's not getting anywhere near the near post. You're going to have to, you know, that player's fronting is going to have to control all of that space. Next piece, I'd say, if you decide you're going to leave him for the goalkeeper, um, my concern is always, you know, you do that and it's maybe the second ball you know, the ball that gets knocked down and they're standing in front of the goalkeeper. And so one of the solutions that we came up with was to immediately step up off the line. You know, if there's a player on the post, step them up off the line, leave that player in an offside position on the second ball. Um, And um, so we did that with Red Stars. Uh, Nair didn't want anybody near her, right? She, she, She wanted to control that space. And certainly she's good enough to do that. So um, we stepped players up. Everybody else would step up, you know, once the ball is served. And there were a number of times where we caught people offside in that position. Mm-hmm. We also gave up uh, three that I can remember uh, goals where they should have been called offside because they're in the goalkeeper's way, right? Like the ball, the ball gets headed, the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper tries to save it. And, and that player's in the goalkeeper's way. So it should be called offside. And even on VAR, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't pick it up, except later they came back and said, yeah, we probably should have called offside on that. You know, <laughs> so they looked That's at helpful. It. So, but even, but, even like, you know, one in particular I remember is, is, you know, the ball went to the far post and um, this player in, in front of the goalkeeper uh, positioned themselves sort of right where the goalkeeper would be right to save the ball so the goalkeeper had to run around her was drawn too far to the near post the ball was headed to the back post and again they 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 didn't call that and it's one that they should have so let, just, let me ask uh, you this yeah. let me ask you this question so if if you don't have anybody on the post yeah right so you don't have any posts it's just a goalkeeper and they put a player there yeah isn't that player offsides as soon as the ball served uh no because they're um you can't the ball they're not they're not in front on of the, the end ball. line yeah they're not yeah. in front of the ball they're still behind the ball if the ball is i guess you're right if the ball is no if the, the ball is right but ball as soon as it's served and it's bending in right the ball it's is at the a time the ball, ball is played at the time the ball is played they're behind the ball so they're onside but yeah, you can't on be offside touch on the next touch they're offside mm-hmm. okay it just, when, it's interesting when people when people where they put the ball people are now putting the ball outside the little the they arm are. They and are. so you're all you know you're you're all sides at that point then because they're yeah. not you know or yeah. you know you have to move out with them putting out you're gonna have to move yourself out or you are outside you yeah, can stop yeah. two or three yards because people are putting it high and outside the arc yeah yeah well I, I think there's two issues that as well you turn with Chris has VAR, an extension of it, and he still had three. Yeah. So I agree with the tactic, but in college soccer, we're relying on college referees to be able to get that offside call on the second ball. I don't see him making it. I don't see him making that call. No, I don't either. 
Me either. Right. And the secondary issue is, is uh, the bigger picture in goalkeeping. I feel like U.S. soccer, we have way bigger depth of uh, quality of field players 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And the goalkeeping is arguably worse. What's, what's y'all's take on that? I'd agree. I'd, I'd agree. agree with that. I mean, look at, look at, again, take out Nair and then who you got. I mean, it gets, it drops off very, very quickly. Um, well, it's in, in, in the college is even obviously worse, but, um, all right, Chris, let's go with topic two. Topic two. Um, when, I'm assuming most of you guys employ the tactic of when your team is in the lead uh, late in the game, you take the ball to the corner flag to try to kill the game off. I'm assuming that. Maybe you don't, but I'm assuming that you do. When do you do that? So at what score? At what time of the game do you think it's effective to take the ball to the corner flag? Well, you're playing, doesn't it? The uh, LSU team up 2-1 on Duke a few years ago with about 43 minutes left. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we started taking it to the corner. <laughs> with, with, with that referee we had, uh, <laughs> it was okay. It didn't, I think a penalty kick got called when you were holding it in the corner. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think we had three penalties that day. We only made two. Yeah. <laughs> we could keep it down pretty dirty. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think Chris, I think it, it, Ryan's right. It depends who you're playing, but and it depends how much you're under siege. But I think five minutes is the number for me, and I think it's two o or less, right? So two o one o, you're taking it, and it's five minutes is I think the rule of thumb for us. But I mean, this year against Texas, at about eight minutes, we were going to the corner. <laughs> um, so that uh, the opponents got a big part of it. And how much are you under? siege and how scary are you and how dangerous are they but I, I do think that's that's the time for me that's the I guess what our team uses as a rule of thumb Churchy? yeah I think you know and, and Chris this may become you watching the games I, this year I thought they went to to the corner so early yeah. all, a lot of teams eight minutes 10 minutes mm -hmm. maybe even 12 minutes that yeah. one game Again, we were behind in a lot of games, so a lot of uh, a lot of things <laughs> happened there. So a lot of teams were going to the corners more and more. You know, for me, they were just – I'd never seen it before uh, yeah. with going so early. Um, I'm in full agreement with Matt on – and I hate to say that, but I'm in full agreement with Matt on – Like uh, it. On uh, the score, uh, two, or, two or below for sure. Um, we, you know, we're anywhere between five and four. At that point, but we do, but our team has again turned the same thing seven minutes left, six minutes left. We've gone down to the corner, you know. But I, I was so we had that conversation with a staff meeting one time how quickly people were going to corners this year. Yeah, well, do, do you think it's because of the no overtime? Yeah, it's yeah, play into it a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it probably does. I think it probably does. Um, yeah, no, no overtime. There's a lot of psychological things that that you know teams feel like they can hold on a lot easier. Yeah. Last 15, 20 minutes. Then okay, now we're gonna have to add twenty more minutes to the game. Yeah. To the game too. So Todd, I, yeah, you know, I've been I've been a, a fan of the the no overtime. And Todd Yelton made a great point to me one time when he was chat, chatting about it. And he's like, you know, teams can rally for yeah. 10, 15 minutes.
but it's the thought of 35 minutes on a hot Sunday is a whole lot different. And I agree with that completely. Like sure. they can hang on for that draw. Um, when you're talking about only 10 more minutes, but when you're thinking, Oh God, then we got overtime, maybe not as much. Chris, what do you think? I agree with, I agree with all of the points. And the one thing that I would say is I've seen teams go to the corner flag up four nil. And I think that's one of the dumbest things you can do because that's a great place for somebody to get hurt. Oh yeah. You know, you're going to hold the ball. Somebody's really frustrated. They're down three or four nil. Somebody them flying in there and you know taking somebody out. So for for the safety of the players, I, I think two, you know, two is probably the most where you would do it. And then, you know, it's a a little different when we get, you know, uh extra time added, you know, stoppage time added on. Right. So you're going with five minutes left on the clock and then they add 10 minutes. <laughs> Probably not such a good idea. So a little bit harder in that, in, in that environment. But yeah. agree with- so, do you, so you said you agree with all that. You agreed with Brian going to the corner at 43 minutes against against Duke a couple years ago? That was something you agreed with? <laughs> all right, go ahead, Chris. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about substitutions. And this Hold is- on, always- one, thing, one thing I want to say just about this real quick, about the whole- a corner flag i wanted to bring up the the training like you know training it right training going to the corner i can't tell you how many times there's two minutes left we get a corner and i have all my you know guys going like they're gonna we're gonna take the corner and actually this year at one one of the games one of our players served the corner i was going ballistic like what are you what are you doing right and so you have to train it you have to train it you have to talk about it you have to be on top of it because yeah, yeah. You have to decide what your shape is going to be with the rest of your team when the ball's in the corner, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. I mean, we've, seen, we've seen times where people have taken the ball to the corner and there's two players standing in the box. Yeah, so there's no plan to <laughs> yeah. serve the ball in the box. So yeah. we're trying to defend now. Get your butt back there at midfield and defend, right? Yeah, yeah. So you do have to train that for sure. Well, it, it does drive me. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Brian. What is your so from college coach for the I think we're the league in the world who keeps the the field versus pro coach and really not knowing little piece when they say time added six minutes, but sometimes that can be four minutes. Sometimes it can be eight minutes. What's your, yeah. what's your take on the difference? Do you have a preference? I like, I like the referee having the, having the clock. Um, these days you're fine. You're, you're, there's more, right? I mean, they're, they're coming at, at, at nine the the clock is there until 90 and then they say okay there's going to be six minutes more like you have a a real good idea but i like i like the idea of the ref having the clock because of those last second scenarios does the ball did the ball go in before you know the the time before the horn went off those kind of things and with the referee having the clock you know the referee can allow that one last attack and can allow that you know that that to happen even though i think that um they're never ever close to accurate you know and and i've done this as stupid as it sounds but you know looking back at a game and seeing how much extra time there really was and and how much they actually added um which i'll never do again because it was total waste of time but um (laughs) so but do do you do you chris but do you know like do you know that you have somebody on the bench, you have it checking it. So, you know, when it gets to 90, you guys know you got six minutes, you got eight minutes, you got three minutes. You, you, are you pretty dialed into what that is? Your strength coach is keeping a clock. Strength coaches, 
keeping what he thinks is extra time. Our strength coaches then, you know, if they say, okay, it's six minutes, then he starts the watch for six minutes and he'll say, okay, you know, three minutes left, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, we, we the, close. Is the league defining for you like a caution is 30 seconds, a goal? Mm-hmm. Is there any definition? No, they, they, at one time they did, but they went away from that. And it's supposed to be actual time. In fact, it's one of the um, responsibilities of VAR. The VAR uh, people is to keep, you know, how much extra time has been uh, has been used. Hey, uh, so Chris, I, I get what you're talking about in the pros, but with your long time in college, would you recommend that for the college referees? knowing what the college referees are and how, and how they, and how they are with, with that, you know, cause we had a vote. What was it? Two years ago. Yeah. Just yeah. two years ago when, you know, we had a vote on this two or three years ago yeah. for the clock to be held by the referees. I mean, yeah. I'm just, it, it sends me into a nightmare right now. Just thinking about those referees having con- control. <laughs> having of, another responsibility. They don't need any more responsibility. Responsibility. No. Hopefully no uh, referees that do our games next year or listening to this podcast, but uh, <laughs> I do, uh, uh, Robbie, I'm a purist. Yeah. Right? I, I believe the game should be played a certain way and, and handled a certain way. And I also struggle a little bit of going into a season or into a game with the thought of the referee can't count. Okay. <laughs> like that. If, if I go into a game thinking the referee can't count, yeah, I got really big problems, right? Yeah, but Chris, Chris, this is always my argument about the purist and the game and this and that. We our game's different. It like is. the substitution is, is different. We don't it have is. six subs, and so it does. I mean, there's it just is. too much going on. You know, a re-entry, not re-entry, all, all of the nonsense. It's uh, yeah, it, that's a good point. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, write that the, down, Brian. Chris just said I had a good point. But the uh, no, no, the purest standpoint is also invented. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was with someone's head wrapped in a leather yes. case, and they would kick it out. So, yes. luckily yeah. we moved on from that yeah. as well for the yeah. purest. All right, Chris, let's go. Another quite another topic. Sorry, I cut you off. Got, got uh, off substitution track. patterns. Okay. Um, and 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 again. People get up in arms when we talk about this and everybody points to Carolina. Let's take Carolina out. They're different. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, take I'll, out. Okay. Um, but I, th- this is what I question. Your team goes down. Say the team goes down early in the NCAA tournament. It's a knockout tournament. You know, you got to win or you're done. Okay. So your team goes down one nil early in the game yet. Um, I don't know. 28 minutes into the half. Your top three attacking players come off for a rest. It's still one nil in the second half. At thirty minutes, they come off for a rest again, and you want to bring them back at fifteen, and maybe they don't go back on the field until nine or eight because yep. sometimes it takes time to get in. So right. you've played a knockout game uh, down most of the game, and your best attacking players played fifty-eight minutes. Yeah, um, but I've seen this again and again and again. I've seen this again and again and again. So, do you guys, is the, do you employ those tactics or do you change because it's the NCAA tournament or you never did that anyway? Never. No, I don't ever change for it because it's the NCAA tournament. It's and don't employ and kind of never did that. You know, we have a we have a smaller roster 
Um, so we don't have, you know, our, we have a we have the ideas of where our substitution coming in. But, you know, we let the game kind of dictate who needs to be on the field and who doesn't need to be on the field. And, you know, where are we in that point of game? Maybe it's a substitution for a defensive substitution or, you know, if we're down a goal and it's a knockout thing, those those attackers are playing. They're playing. Yeah. They're staying. They're staying on the field. They're going to try because we have a long time for them to rest after that game's that game's over. And if not, if they're only playing fifty eight minutes, they're coming to kicking your door down on Monday morning and saying yeah. what the heck happened. And they have every right to do that too. Brian, go ahead. Well, I mean, for me, it just depends on the dynamic of the team and how close to like for like are you substituting. You know, there's no question about the physical fatigue factor. If you're replacing end of similar level, I, I stick to my normal rotation. But if, if, as is most cases in a normal year, there's a separation between the starters and the subs, and get NCAA tournament time, I'm going to look a lot more like FSU looked under Mark, where 13 kids are playing to start with by the time you reach that point. And hopefully they've periodized and they're fresh and they can play. Well, I, I think, um, you know, part of college soccer nation, they come here for, you, know, you come here to listen to, to see what we think. And I think vulnerability is an important part of college soccer nation. And I'll say this, la, my last year at Ole Miss with the team, we started out, whatever, 9-0-2 and we were rolling and, and we had a substitution pattern and, and uh, mm -hmm. it worked and, and all through non-conference we were cruising. And then we got into league play and we started with the rotation and it was great. And then we started to lose. And uh, and lost the number of games in a row, and I realized like what what are we doing? Just because it worked for these non-conference games doesn't mean it's working now. And 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 what was happening is we were getting weaker. So I you know by the end of the season I had corrected it and kept the starters on. And I think at the end of the day that's what you have to do. You have to evaluate. Brian's right. If you have like for like, it's one thing. But if you don't, then you got to keep them on. You got to keep them on and, and give yourself a better chance. Even even if maybe they're tired, they're probably still a better player, and, and you got to keep them on. Is my opinion. Well, and the deeper you go in the NBA tournament, the higher the level of opponent, most people's benches are going to shrink. Yeah. You would think. You even, would think. even in conference season, conference tournament, same thing. Like, yeah. it's going to yeah. shrink. It's going to shrink. So, okay. It's good, Chris. What's the next one? That's it. That's all I got. Oh, that was good. Liked it. Liked it. All right. Well, let's get into the bracket. I know probably plenty of people are sick of listening to us talk tactics and want to talk about the bracket. So we will start. What we're going to do is is talk about the regional that happened. I will say what the scores were, um, and then we'll open it up for discussion on that region. Maybe not necessarily just we won't go through each game, but maybe some interesting parts that we saw. I think we all were watching bits and pieces of these games and probably have some opinions on most, but we'll open it up that way. So we'll start at the top. Florida State beat Texas A&M 1-0 uh, in, a, in a pretty – even-ish game for Florida State, you would think for sure. And then, the, uh, sorry, the first game of that day was Texas 2, Wisconsin 1. And another example where Wisconsin had the lead and Texas came back and scored two to win. So thoughts on that regional? And then and then let's just go with then Florida State smashed Texas 5-0 in, uh, in the round to get to, to the lead eight. So Florida State is moving on in that regional. Those three games, anybody want to take have opinions? You know, Florida. I, oh, all right. Go ahead, Robbie. Go ahead, Robbie. Let me go. Sorry. Um, you know, I think the obviously the the, the Texas A&M game. I think there was two things 
Texas A&M had played them to a one nothing game earlier in the year. I think the opening game too. Yeah. I think Phil Phil and G did a good job of. I think they knew uh, you know somewhat how to play Florida State and their tactics. I think was were pretty spot on. And you know there was a, a a sprinkle of opportunity. Very impressive that they shut down basically that top five. You know for for a lot uh, most part of it too. But I, there's nobody's going to shut them down two games in a row. Uh, and I know. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's some players on Texas teams that used to be at Florida State. And I think there was some motivating, I think there was some motivating factors there. Um, but I think once, you know, Florida State scored early in that match. And once Florida State finds a rhythm and they start to get very confident, they're, they are, you know, they can put a five spot. They put a four spot on us. I saw it live. They can put a five spot and a lot of goals on anybody. So, um, you know, I think they're playing, I think they're playing well at, at this stage, but uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll talk about their quarterfinal game later. Yeah. Brian, go ahead. Well, I, I just think this very clearly uh, Florida State's a, a massive favorite, right? Based on form coming through the tournament to, to end up winning. And I can't remember an elite. I, I had the opinion, you know, so favorably for one team to come out as a national champion. Okay. Chris. So. Uh, first of all, I think anytime you you're in an NCAA tournament, and you're going to win a championship in six games. You're going to have a game that's a little bit of a struggle or a lot of a struggle. Mm-hmm. And so that was that game for Florida State. Um, but, you know, I've I've been waiting for Florida State, waiting for it to come, you know, like sort of like convince me, convince me, convince me, because I see. <clears throat> the players that they put out and the players that they bring off the bench. And these are, I mean, these are quality, quality players that they have. That is a loaded roster full of women, just, just women. There are no little girls there. They are women. And um, I've been waiting for Florida state to, to show it. And they showed it. They showed it uh, against, against Texas. They were, they were lethal. They were dominant. They were, you can see they were enjoying themselves you know they're playing with this joy and this passion, um, and yeah, they they showed it. They showed it, and and for me, they showed that they're they're the favorite to win this thing. My, my only comment I'd say is, how about the goal Dudley scores though against Texas A&M? Yeah. So good. I mean, over shoulder, over shoulder, hits a shoulder, head heads it down, and then class finish with a player draped all over. I mean, it's just as a freshman, man, that's just really good. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me just say this one thing about yeah. her. Yeah. If she decided to come out, she'd be the first player taken in draft. Yeah. Yeah. I I, you'd be crazy not to draft her at 18 right. years old. Right. And and what a player she is. Well, yeah. and I think you look at, okay, Byers is on the other side. If you think Byers is one of the other best forwards, yeah. one of the top, top drop choices, which he certainly is, and she's fantastic. Those two head to head right there. You just watched it, you know, yep. uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, their bracket, they fill into the uh, – they were all down in Arkansas. You had Memphis with a – you know, you certainly would call it an upset, a 6-3 upset over Notre Dame. I think we're all a little surprised about that one. And then even a bigger upset, you had Pittsburgh knock off Arkansas, 4-3 in a wild game that was down there in Arkansas. And then um, and then Pittsburgh uh, with a 3-0 um, win over Memphis. So – Two games in that bracket, pretty lopsided in the, the Sweet 16 game. But, um, Churchy, go ahead. You want to start with that group? For sure. Um, for me, 
I think Pittsburgh's been the best team in the NCAA tournament at this stage. Okay. Um, look at their score. Six nothing in the first round over Ohio State, winning at Arkansas four three and beating Memphis three nothing. I think they've had the toughest road of any team in those first three games, and they've scored 13 goals and they've given up and they've given up three. And the three was only against Arkansas. And you know, playing and seeing Pittsburgh all year long, they have just gotten better and better and better. And you know, everybody talked about it. They had scoring, if they had four and their last half, starting in the ACC season, they have really gradually gotten so much better offensively. So I, I actually think they are they if they weren't playing at Florida State <laughs> at, on a Friday afternoon at 5 30, um they would be my pick to go into the uh the uh final four for sure. Uh, yeah. I think they have the most momentum of any team. I think they're confident just looking at them and play and that schedule of Ohio State, Arkansas, Memphis, uh there's nobody played that schedule up to this point. So I think they've been, I think they've been phenomenal. I think Randy and his staff has done an unbelievable job with them, but they got, you know, they lost in the semifinals to Florida state earlier to nothing, but it was a good game. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a good game. Um, I think they have a chance, but I still would have to say, I'm going to pick Florida state, but I, I still think Pittsburgh has a chance. Yeah. Brian. On this point there, um, with Pitt, I think it's a couple things. I think the win over Arkansas isn't necessarily an upset. I think it just shows and how the ACC has done in the there's there's five ACC teams that could win the SEC or would be favorites to win the SEC, and there might be seven. You know, Virginia and Duke didn't make the tournament, so I think TC has expressed their dominance. And it used to be ACC and Pac-12, and it's clearly right now down to just the ACC and then the other four power fives right behind them. Um, and the, the, the pit, this is going to be the third time played in a month against Florida State. And the first game was in Tallahassee and was a little bit one-sided for Pitt. So FSU is going to win, and I think they're a big favorite. If they're going to win the tournament, I think this is their biggest test to come is a really, really hot Pittsburgh team who's very comfortable, already played 100 minutes against Florida State. Yep. Great. Chris? Um, first of all, I think Pitt is a great story. You know, uh, a rebuild. Randy's done a fantastic job. Um, I don't, you know, I, I'm sure there were questions when, when Randy went there, if can you do that at Pitt? And clearly you can. And, yeah, I don't and, think anybody wanted that job. Right. I yeah. mean, to not yeah. be insulting, but that wasn't a high profile job. It's been yeah. so bad for so long. Yeah, um, I agree with that, Chris. Yeah, go ahead. So he's done quite well. Um, a couple of things just when I when I look through it, I'm a little disappointed in Notre Dame, obviously, like I, I, yeah. I feel, you know. And, and Matt, I think we talked um, as you were watching them I and you talked about the just how they look. I mean, they're yeah. big, strong, and fast. You know, athletic, and and that kind of thing. And yet they they couldn't they couldn't uh, get it done against against Memphis. And um, Memphis against Pittsburgh was wasn't very close. I think it just showed you the difference, as Brian is saying. You know, the difference between the leagues. You know, you got a team that is the best team in the league, and um, 
Uh, and then you got a team that, you know, Pitt, I don't know, or where did Pitt finish, Robbie? Four or five? Four, uh, fourth. Fourth, yeah. They finished, I think they finished. Uh, and they were clearly, clearly actually, better. Sorry, they actually, they were the fifth seed. They were the fifth seed okay. in the tournament. Okay. Again, you know, with an unbalanced schedule. Yeah. With an unbalanced schedule as you play. They were the, they were yeah. the fifth seed in the, in the tournament. But but clearly better better than Memphis. So um, I have uh, you know I I do think Pitt will give Florida State a game as you guys are talking about. I think Florida State's experience will be the difference. Um, you know Pitt's never been that far before. The group of kids has never been that far before. Florida State's there every year. Um, they have a, they do have an experienced team. So I, I do think that will come down to be the difference. But again, all the credit to Pitt and, and what they've done. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a different twist a little bit. I mean, let's give Memphis some credit. Brian picked them, right? And to go to Arkansas again, you know, you, you get in these times, right, where, you know, I mean, we ran into it a little bit like, oh, I got to go to Florida State, we got no chance, right? And you got to think Memphis is like, God, we got to go back to Arkansas again, and then we got we got to play Notre Dame, right? And and you know, a lot of players would be like, yeah, we we got no chance against Notre Dame, but. Memphis was up for the fight, man. They were up for it. And you got to give Brooks a ton of credit. Memphis is a tough school to recruit to. And, and, and it, you know, plays in a league that the league just wasn't very good this year. And they dominated the league, um, you know, won every game and won the, you know, won the regular season without, not a tying or lose. Like they went undefeated and did the tournament, then got by, um, you know, their, their first game in LSU, right? And then go and, okay, now we got to play Notre Dame. And then they get by Notre Dame, and hey, I, you know, Pittsburgh was better, no doubt. But man, what a great run for for Memphis in the group. I mean, really, really impressive. And we also on this podcast got to give Brian Lee credit; he picked them to beat Notre Dame. So Brian, there's some credit. I'd knock you down when you have your losses, but that was a good pick. Um, <laughs> but but so kudos to Memphis on on a really good year. Um, all right, let's keep it rolling. Uh, down we go now to a really interesting. Ended up being a fantastic uh, Sweet 16 game, but Penn State beat Santa Clara 2 nothing. St. Louis beat Georgetown 2-1. And then uh, in a wild overtime thriller, Penn State knocks off St. Louis 4-3. Chris, I know you were dialed into that one pretty good, so why don't you start with this group? Well, first of all, Penn State-Santa Clara played in a – they looked like they were in a washing machine, pouring rain. You <laughs> yeah. know, conditions were terrible. Miserable, yeah which I think plays in the Penn state's hands. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, they were, they were solid and, 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 and clearly deserved to win. Um, anytime, uh, St. Louis wins in the NSA tournament for me, it's not an upset, um, because it's what they always do. And, uh, beating Georgetown, um, again, huge win for their program, but not, not, not shocking at all. Not shocking at all. But I, I think that that Penn State St. Louis game was a was a really interesting game. Um, first of all, the number of goals, you know, and at that point, you know, you get that to that point yeah. in the you don't Good expect point. to see seven goals. Um, well, and on Sunday with the short rest, you don't expect to see seven goals, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And Penn State, um, I'm sorry, uh, St. Louis up three to two. Game is in hand. Um, taking the ball to the corner flag, you know, <laughs> um, structured right when they go to the corner flag, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they give up a, a free kick 30 yards out 
um, relatively central. And as they're getting ready to take the free kick, I'm saying, goalkeeper, just please stay on your line. Just please stay on your line. Don't come off your line. Don't come off your line. Don't come off your line. And guess what? The ball gets clipped in eight yards out. Goalkeeper, goalkeeper comes flying out. We've seen it all year long. I've complained about it. Goalkeeper comes flying out. Ball gets headed straight down the middle of the goal. There's no goalkeeper there. Game goes 3-3. Penn State has the momentum. They're at home. And they, you know, with with more talent in their team, eventually it comes through and and they they win the game uh, in overtime. So I felt horrible for for St. Louis because, you know, you could make a case that they deserve to win the game. Um, but that's the recurring theme in college soccer has been this goalkeeper, please stay on your line. Yeah. Uh, Churchy, any thoughts on that group? Yeah. Just uh, go back to that St. Louis game. Uh, Chris said it earlier. You in this tournament, you have to win one game that maybe you were outplayed. Maybe it's uh, you're not playing at your best at times. Um, and I and I think that I, I think Chris just said he, you can make a, a statement. I think you definitely make a statement that St. Louis should have won the game. And you know, I think they played really, really well. And then to go up, it's a hard place to play. We all know whether everything up there, it's a hard place to play. They they were they were terrific and scored three goals. You know, and just gave up that that one at the end, and then they, uh, and then you know, all momentum is is uh, in in Penn State's favor. So, uh, I thought it was I thought it was a really good game. Um, I thought, as we all talked about, I thought it was entertaining. Um, I, Penn State to me, I just I can't wrap my hand head around where they are. You know, their their region. They play Central Connecticut, Santa Clara, St. Louis. Good teams. Not great, you know. I, I don't think they're great teams. They played. They got out of the region, but not by a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm having, and you know, you know, obviously they're going to go to Clemson. We'll talk about that too. But um, that should be a really interesting game. But I just, I, I just, I can't get a feel of really how good this Penn State team is. But you know, all they do is keep winning. They're sixteen two and four. Um, yeah, you know, doing something right. Doing, Ryan, doing quickly, a lot. Anything, doing a lot right. anything to add to that? Well, to me, I agree with Robbie on that. That's the paper quarter. I don't know. There's good team spread throughout the rest of the, you know, spread throughout the rest of the bracket. I think we said it last week. Still playing if they're in that quarter. And yeah. for that matter, Notre Dame's still playing if they're in that quarter. You know, when Eddie, the bracket, this is what you're looking for. <laughs> now it's got Penn State in the quarterfinal. Yeah. yeah. All right, good. Let's go down to the bottom then. Um all right, so down in the Clemson, Eddie's Eddie's bracket as we all we all pulling for Eddie. Georgia <laughs> beats Iowa three two. Um, Clemson beats Columbia, and like you said, Clemson's on a Radford Columbia Georgia run, and then Georgia, um, I'm sorry, Clemson beats Georgia in penalties down in Clemson. So Brian, start off with this one with the Georgia Iowa Columbia Clemson Georgia Clemson. You know, I, I think it was soft walk to get there for Clemson. But the Georgia game, don't forget, those schools are an hour apart, hour and a half yeah. apart. Those rosters each other really, really well. So that was never going to be an easy game for uh, for Clemson and for Ed. Um, and, and I don't even know. I think Clemson's going to reach the Final Four before we really know where they stand, if that makes sense. It's going to come down to the, you know, playing the winner of Florida State Pitt and see what that looks like. Yeah, good. Chris? 
Yeah, you know, the the Georgia Clemson game was a, a scrap. Um, you know, late two late goals and um pretty even and and uh you know not not the most beautiful game for sure. Um and I I I think uh Clemson for me is one. They just don't give up a lot of goals. You know, they they just don't give up a lot of goals. So yeah. they're always going to be in the game, and I think that that will be the case against as they move forward against Penn State. Yeah, quickly, Robbie, anything to add? Yeah, I think you know, deep respect. As I say this, Clemson did what they've done all year long. They're not going to blow you out. They're going to you know they don't score a lot of goals. They don't give up a lot of goals with it too. Uh, they win. That's all they do. 17-3 and 4, they end up winning. For me, the Georgia-Clemson game, the first 60 minutes of the game was absolutely a snooze fest. I thought it was as boring as it, as it comes. Last 30 minutes, overtime, was as exciting as it comes. So yeah, I thought it was two different games. And uh they took the penalties well. They did well on the they they did well on their penalties and now they advance. And this this uh you know, we're pulling for Eddie and Clemson with it, but it's gonna be a it's Penn State's gonna be a tough, tough match by far their toughest so far in tournament. Yeah, and I think um yeah, certainly um congratulations, but man, I mean uh Georgia had the breakaway in overtime, Clemson had the breakaway in overtime, and neither one yeah. of them could could get it yeah. past. All right. Let's go up to the back up to the top now, the BYU regional. BYU beats Southern Cal 1-0. Michigan State beats Harvard 1-0. A lot of people had Harvard going deep uh, on this podcast that they went out in the second round. So, And I do think someone else had this is the year of the Ivies. This is the year of the Ivies. Ivies are the greatest. Ivies are all out. Um, and then BYU with a 3-1 win over Michigan State. Brian, you uh, – oh, no, Chris, you had Harvard to the Final Four. And Brian had I, uh, Harvard killing it too. Um, why don't you start, Chris, with this group that you got wrong? I had Harvard to the Final Four. Didn't you? Or did Brian? What are you two did? Was this wait? Was this last week on the podcast? Last week. Last week. I don't think I was on the podcast last week. Yes, you were, my friend. Yes, you were. Yes, you somebody. Were. Somebody was. Somebody uh, had BYU coming out of this group. Just yeah. saying. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. what do I think? One. The Ivy, again, has gained the RPI and is so much smarter than everybody else that you end up with four teams in and none of them can get very far because in the end, they're just not that good. They're just not as good as yeah. these other teams, you know. Um, BYU, clearly, you know, the strongest team there. A um, little bit of struggle with with uh, USC, but USC is a good team. And uh, BYU at home, as we've said all along, they're tough to beat. Yeah. Soon as they turn and go towards the student section, it's over. Yeah. It's over. As soon as they start attacking yeah. the side of the student section, when it's the first half, second half, it's just the 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 juice they get from that is just yeah. unbelievable. Uh yeah. Robbie, thoughts on uh, that group? No, I you know, I think it went as planned. I picked yeah. BYU and I'll stay with BYU. Yeah. Yeah, you and I both did, Robbie, just for the record. Oh. Good, good. I thought yeah. that may, you know, again, it's NCAA tournament time. Goals go down, you know, their goals go down. They've been scoring a lot of goals during the course of the year. A little surprised at the number of goals in that round that they played that they scored only six, uh, scoring six goals in the three game, but they only gave up a goal too. So I think they're, I, I think they're in really good shape here. Yeah. Brian, anything else? Just real quick on the year of the Ivy. It yeah. kind of, I mean, they did gain the RPI again, but last year they all lost a whole round earlier. So it really was the year of the Ivy. 
I, I love well, it. Where all of them seated too? They all were seated and they're all oh, yeah. they're rolling. This is the year. Man, what surprise the guy from Rice is pumping the Ivies. <laughs> all right, let's go on down uh, to oh, there was an Ivy in this group too. Uh, North Carolina one, Alabama zero, Princeton, Texas Tech zero zero. Tech wins in penalties, and then North Carolina knocks off Texas Tech to reach another Elite Eight for the the uh, the Tar Heels. Robbie, go ahead and take this one if you have any yeah. thoughts on. On this group. Well, first, well, first before we do that, I love when Brian has a good point to make because he turns around and he smiles at you first. You know, yeah, he does, smile, he does. when that when that smile comes at everybody, yeah, really he's all excited. Yeah. He's all excited about something, and it's a really good point it comes out. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's you know how how excited was Carolina to see Princeton and Texas Tech go into overtime when you have when you have yeah. a Friday Sunday time. I mean, how you yeah. couldn't have for anything better at that point. Carolina was hoping they could. It was like the old days. They would play till somebody scored, um, you know, and continue to play. So I, yeah. I think it went, you know, as planned. Um, you know, Carolina has not scored a lot of goals all year. It kind of stayed at form. They end up, but they don't. They don't uh, concede a, a, a lot of goals either. So scoring five goals in the tournament so far, two down there, two one nothing wins. Um, it's enough to go there. But I think they're going to to beat BYU. They're going to have to score more goals. If they yeah. put one goal on the board, I do not think that will be enough to get by BYU. Yeah, Chris, I don't know this because I haven't looked it up, but I cannot remember ever. Carolina winning two NCAA tournament games in a row, one nil. Yep. I mean, they're, you know, they've been built on scoring, 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 scoring. And, and not that they're not playing the same way. They're still playing the same way, but they are, they are certainly uh, keeping teams out and it's a, a little bit of a different way of, uh, of doing it for them. So, you know, they were, you know, they were clearly the best team in that group. Um, you know, I know one nil, but dominated and and uh, showed their showed their class all the way through. Um, Texas Tech put up a fight, fantastic season for them. Um, and you know, when they went in, into penalties against Princeton, you know, the quality of their goalkeeper you knew was going to come through. Um, but they just did not have enough to deal with the Tar Heels. Brian, anything, Dad? Uh, no, not much. I mean, it's not I, – I can't say it's a surprise to see UNC come through that bracket. I think, yeah. I think Tech got really unlucky with some late-season injuries. Um, and looking forward to the, the UNC-BYU game is, is intriguing. Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, Stanford's group. Stanford 3, South Carolina 0. No shots, no corners for South Carolina. When was the last time you, you heard that? Uh, and then Mississippi State – Beats another Ivy uh, in Brown, two to one. I don't know about you, Chris, but we heard a lot about the Brown forwards, those two forwards for Brown, the Brown forwards, the Brown forwards. Look how Mississippi State can handle them. Mm, they didn't. They didn't. They, they, they handled them. <laughs> so, uh, and then Stanford with a 1 0 win over Mississippi State. That game, Stanford scored early. You thought, uh oh. Uh, but credit to Mississippi State, they really hung on and, and played them tough. And you had a couple of decent looks at it, but Stanford was was clearly the class of that region. Um, you know, I think that I'll just say this. I didn't watch a lot of Stanford, South Carolina. It was up 2 nothing, I think, when I turned it on. And 
Stanford looked just the class of that group before, um, really all the way throughout. So, um, but credit to Mississippi State, great season for them, and then certainly great season for uh, uh, Brown and uh, Stanford's moving on. Any thoughts on that one? Stanford's Stanford's better. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're just yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think Stanford's a little underrated. I don't think we've talked enough about how good Stanford is. Um, you know, and, and I think as as they move on, as they move on, um, I, I think they're they're a real factor here. And I've you know. I've had our butts kicked by both Florida State, Stanford. Doesn't matter which which one, and they were very similar scores. Um, I, I just think Stanford is never – they don't give up goals. They do score enough goals, and they have abilities to score goals. But I, I just – if there's any way that a team that's 18-0 and 4 can be underrated, I just don't feel like there's enough talk about Stanford being that team. But they're I think they're really hitting strides and playing well. You know what? I, I think for UNC are really interesting parallels. They're they're so much more boring to watch than they've ever been. It's like watching Mourinho at Chelsea. You know, when people used to chant boring, 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 but they kept winning, winning, winning. Yeah. And here they are again in a totally different style than I, I think you're used to with either of those programs as they advance. Okay. Last one. The interesting one, certainly of the bracket. You got Nebraska tune. Tennessee one, UC Irvine two, Gonzaga one, and then Nebraska manhandling UC Irvine four zero. Chris, why don't you take that group? I mean, we're talking about paths to this point in the tournament. I mean, Nebraska is charmed. You know, <laughs> South Dakota State, um, not the best Tennessee team, and UC Irvine. I mean. And 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 Nebraska's a good team. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, they're not fortunate or anything. They deserve to be where where they are. Uh, but their their path was nice to get there. Absolutely. Um, Churchy, what do you think? Well, not much. Not much. I guess the biggest one that surprised me was the UC Irvine after such a great win. And we and you guys talked about it last week. How hard is it again to come back and and play another good team? And we know how good Gonzaga is. Um, and for them to come back and win that game, that was probably the biggest surprise for me. And then not have anything left on Sunday is not a shocker playing Nebraska at home. So um Yeah. Yeah, Nebraska just steamrolled them in that that last game. They were Nebraska was really good. The the Dale kid has twenty seven goals. Something like she had two more on the on the finals. Really impressive. Yeah. All right, Brian, thoughts? Well, you know, I talked about Stanford and USC being relatively boring to watch you know, compared to past teams from those two programs. Not boring to watch, Nebraska. Yeah. That's an that entertaining attacking team that, that I think is really, really good. Is Elite Eight worthy, but certainly haven't had to get through a that would get you to a normal Elite Eight. Um, so we'll see in the next round. Okay. All right. So here we go. We got the Elite Eight set. You got Florida State versus Pittsburgh, you've got Clemson versus Penn State, you got Stanford versus Nebraska, and you have BYU against North Carolina. Let's talk about real quick, pretty impressive by the ACC, that four of the eight um, there. I think, again, like we've talked about a little bit, but definitely um, killing it. And two of two of them playing each other. So you're going to have at least one ACC team in, but you could have three. Clemson wins and North Carolina wins. You're going to have three, three of the four. 
But anyway, so here we are. We're at the moment of truth. Got to pick them. Okay, so we'll go one at a time. Florida State, Pittsburgh. I'll take Florida State. As I have the whole time, mind you, they are my champion pick, just the FYI. Chris, who you got? As I said, Florida State has way too much experience at this level. Uh, playing at home, I'll take Florida State. Robbie? Um, God. Can he do it? Can he do I it, know, Ryan? I Can know. He do it? Even pull it. I, I think Pittsburgh can do it, but – I, I will take Florida State, but if they Pittsburgh wins it, you heard it first, right here. No, 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 Aaron no, no. You got to pick them. No, no, no. We heard you not pick them. What's that? What we heard? I'm going Pittsburgh. I'm going there Pittsburgh. Come on, let's go. Let's go, Panthers. Okay, like it, Ryan. As much as I want to join Robbie in this one, I'm not making the Harvard mistake twice and jumping on board again. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take Florida State at home. But what a great story Pitt has been. All right. We love it. All right. Penn State Clemson. In Eddie, we trust. We got a new one, Brian. We got a new one. In Eddie, we trust. <laughs> I'm going to take Clemson. I think they're. I think that it's just one of those years where it's just broken right for them. They're having a great year. Got some great seniors. Give me Clemson. We got. Uh, Robbie, go. Uh, Clemson, but they got to score some goals. They uh, they got to score some goals with Clemson. Yeah, Chris. Nil nil, Clemson and penalties. Ooh. Love it. You got to take your teammate, Chris. You didn't take Yeti. That'd be bad. Uh, no, no, I got to take my boy. Yeah, Brian. Well, I've seen Eddie in big games. Maybe it was 20 years ago, Furman UNCG in a huge Southern Conference tournament final. <laughs> Both of us waiting to get on the Uber track at the game finished. And I'm going to take Eddie into his first Final Four. Everybody's cheering for him. But I agree with Chris. Penalties are a late winner. Gotcha. All right. BYU, Notre Dame. What? I'll North go Carolina. first again. I'm going to take <laughs> – I'm going to take – who? Hold on, hold on. Dude. Who's BYU playing? <laughs> yes, North Carolina. Yeah, you said Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Said Notre oh, Dame. sorry, I'm reading it. I'm reading it. <laughs> sorry, my bad. BYU, North Carolina. BYU. They're the champions. They're yeah. my champions. All right, BYU. I'm taking BYU too. I think at BYU, too much firepower. North Carolina is not scoring much. I'll take BYU. Brian? All right, excuse me. This is where I'm going to my way. I'm going to – I think it's a great matchup. I think Anson's doing a masterful job. Somehow, some way, they will get through again. I'll take you in penalties. He is just down on BYU, and he? He had Harvard. Now he's got UNC. Okay, Chris? Ah, this is a hard one. <laughs> that is a hard one. I, I, I know this is not – the best UNC team. Um, and again, BYU has shown they can, there's some blips on the radar at home. Um, I'm going to go with Carolina somehow sneaking that one. Okay. Love it. About, what, one last thing. Sorry. How about us saying this is not the best Carolina team in a 13 and one and yeah. in the Elite Eight? And, and yeah. How about us yeah. saying this is not, and we don't That's, feel like it, and they're 13 who, today. What? Uh, who wouldn't want that? Yep. Who yeah. wouldn't want that? All right. 
And the last one, Stanford, Nebraska, out of Stanford, 2-5. Uh, Chris? Stanford. Robbie? Nebraska was my dark horse when we started the yeah, tournament. Mine too. Yeah. It was my dark horse, but I'm sorry. I just think Stanford's playing to, at too high of a level. Stanford. Right? You know, and four Stanford is another really tight one, I think. Maybe penalties. Maybe Stanford finishes the year unbeaten, but not the final four. Let's go John Walker and the 11 seniors or whatever he's running around there. I'm taking Nebraska. Love it. Four since I don't know when. Well, let me tell you a little something. Let me tell you guys a little something. This tournament's about scoring goals. This tournament's about toughness. This tournament's about who's going to step up at the right moment, right? And Nebraska all year has got it done. I'm going with the Cornhuskers to knock off the Stanford Cardinals, get John Walker to his first Final Four, and uh, and take down the Cardinal. Let's go, Cornhuskers. I'm with you, Brian. All right. We got it. So go your, your four, Chris, or who? Uh, Florida State. Um, Clemson, BYU, I'm sorry, North Carolina, and Stanford. Pretty chalky. Pretty chalky. Wouldn't you say, Brian? That's pretty chalky. North Carolina's a three seed. Whatever. All right, Robbie, you're four or who? Stanford, BYU, Clemson, and Pittsburgh. <laughs> Brian? Well, on one side of the bucket, I got two guys less hair than I do. He's Florida State and Eddie's Clemson. True. And then the other yeah. side, two guys with as many. This must be a combined 600 win. North Carolina and Nebraska. No, it's not a combined 600. Anson. Yeah. It's got 900 himself. Yeah. Wins. And that's the story. I through that. Look at that final eight. The only group of people that can make this podcast seem young is the final <laughs> eight coach. Good Lord. And is there a person under 52, 55 in that elite eight head coach? Yeah. Oh, Walshy. Walshy's not that Walshy. old. Walshy. Okay. Well, it seems like she met forever. She said, yeah, yeah she's probably in 20 years. You know, yeah. she's better looking than the rest of them. for sure. Um, <laughs> You know, other than Jen, those two are in the contest. <laughs> just stop mocking. Just stop. I'm putting you on mute. The, the, you six, on mute. the six dudes have not aged well, much yeah. like this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. I got Florida State. I got Clemson. I got BYU. And I got Nebraska. Should be fun. Um, all right. Let's move on. Last thing we got, Robbie. We're going, Robbie's big games are out, but uh, I have to say this to you. I talked to a coach this week as mm -hmm. we are in, you know, we're all in hot uh, portal time. And I talked to a coach and he said, boy, Matt really liked the podcast, was so excited that our team got mentioned in Robbie's big games one week, uh, except he mispronounced our, <laughs> mispronounced our name, which I mean, that could have been a number of coaches. Let's keep it real. Um, and, uh, and we had had Jan Robbie since Quinnipiac lost, by the way. Um, you know, but they had a heck of a run. So yeah. So, but we're going to do now Robbie's big jobs that are open. So Robbie's <laughs> going to give us the jobs that are open. Maybe some of them that are filled 
and uh, and talk about who who are what we got out there as jobs being open. Hit it, Robbie. Okay, I looked. It looks to me, and I may be incorrect on some of this, but my crack research, we had eighteen jobs that are open as of this point, and I will wow. name it: Hampton, South Florida, West Georgia, George Mason. A big one, Kansas, George Washington, Purdue, Eastern Michigan, Marshall, Boston College, Jacksonville, Illinois State, Temple, Stetson, Miami, Cleveland State, San Diego, and Bowling Green. Two jobs look like they have been filled at this point. There are some uh, in, coaches that are, are are taking the programs right now, but it looks like Ben Williams has been hired as Stephen F. Austin. And what I think yeah. is a really, really good hire is Jimmy Walker. Uh, who did a great job at Bowling Green, took the Creighton job just to make, I think that's going to make the Big East, which is a really good conference, a little bit more interesting now, the job that Jimmy will do that. I, you know, you as you break it down, you have the five power, the the five power five jobs. And I think, you know, one out of the, one out of the big 12 in Kansas, one out of the big 10 in, in Purdue and two, how long has it been since ACC's had two jobs open in the same time in, in mm. both Boston College and Miami? Um, yeah. So I think there's, you know, a, a number of a number of jobs. Good. Really, all of them. All of them are, are really good jobs. Um, some that are different than other ones, but but uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't think this is the end. Also, I think there will be other jobs that will come available sort of afterwards or right before after the Thanksgiving holiday is always a big time after Thanksgiving holiday and before the Christmas holiday. I think you're going to see some more jobs that come open too. Well, and I think you look at, you know, these, these um, ADs are really focused on football, right? Yeah. And football ends here in, in uh, this week pretty much for the regular season. And, and yeah. then they have time to look at some of the other stuff. So no, I agree with you. I do think there'll be another, Another couple of jobs open, more than likely. So, um, thoughts on any of the jobs, Brian? Um, my big thought is this: for coaches looking at these jobs, you know, I think today's market that they're not looking necessarily at school. We talked the other day about, or on a previous podcast, about facilities being a little overrated. Um, the number one thing you need to be looking at if you're a coach aspiring to be a head coach, if you're an assistant coach, or you're a head coach trying to move up, you can't beat the administration. If you really good administration, you're, the likelihood of you winning is really, really high. And by really good, I just mean they want to win in soccer. You look yeah. at Pitt. We're talking about Pitt a lot, right? Yeah. So um, Heather Like is the AD there. She was hired in 2017. In the six years prior to her rival, and they the Pitt had 19, 20 teams. How many conference titles do you think in the ACC pre-Heather Like? Robbie, you got a guess? You ever hear about Pitt Watch? None. <laughs> almost exactly. none. Almost, almost none. They won dual wrestling once. That's great. Since she's been the AD, they've had different teams win TC conference championships. Right, right. Wow. And that's you know, and you know, Randy's a great coach and has done an unbelievable job there. But that's not happening in and just as big a reason as Randy is, is Heather likes the AD and she won't at everything. Hunter at, at Arkansas. Arkansas, Colby's done an unbelievable program, was was brutal before he got there under a bunch of coaches. They win the most SEC championships of any school in the SEC right now, almost every year. That's amazing at Arkansas, and that's because Hunter wants to win at every sport. Yep. So yep. you need to give that side of things to, 
workers in those jobs. And, you know, that, that's the big factor. And can I add on real quick? I, I think, you yeah. know, when Chris, when Chris was saying we were all commenting about Randy, what a great job and nothing away from him. But it was that administration that was that was hired and they want to win. Even before they hired Randy, what, what was their hire on the men's side? Jay. When they brought Jay, Jay yeah, yeah. what an yeah. unbelievable hire! Hire with Jay when they brought him on, and what has he done? He's won a number of conference championships on the on the men's side in the toughest conference in the country in men's in men's soccer too. So along that theory, I tell you what, I've been pretty impressed with the Kansas people and the Kansas administration. They have reached out to a lot of people and and acquiring what a coach should look like and what their next coach and who is who would be some candidates for the next coach. So to me, right now, it looks like Kansas wants to make a really, really big push and really play um, and get very serious. Can we can we break on College Soccer Nation that Robbie Church may be the next coach at Kansas? If I go to Kansas, I'm going by myself because I know somebody. <laughs> not that, accent, that accent ain't playing in the Midwest. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Uh, no, but very impressed with their administration and what they're doing in their research before. I have no idea who's a candidate in Kansas. Gotcha. <laughs> Chris, any thoughts on the coaching stuff? No, they got it. They were on it. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to wrap this up. It's been a long one. We, we, uh, we always enjoy it when we get the four horsemen together um, or maybe three horsemen and a pony. Um, we appreciate you guys coming on uh, college soccer nation. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your break. We'll be back next week. Hopefully better than ever. Thanks DJM productions for producing us. Uh, thank you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving college soccer nation is out. 